0: So I'm unapologetically tender today, I think because um, I can just sense God and his His nearness and the importance of this season that we're in uh, as a church, but really even importantly just as a nation, like God is doing a new thing. I feel the, the invitation for us is out of Psalms or out of Isaiah, God's doing a new thing do you not perceive it? Do, do you see the streams that are coming into the wasteland? And I, I, I love how God will, even before we under fully understand it, he leads us and guides us so that we find ourselves learning what he needs to put in our souls so that the, we can then... Be who we're called to be in the next season that's coming. And I think that this series that we're in on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, or that we're starting today, is massively important. Because God has things for you, He has access to things for you in your life that you desperately need. And I believe that we're entering into a season of not surviving, but beginning to thrive. Amen? And we need the gifts of the Holy Spirit to be able to do it. Now, uh, I, I want to start by just using the words of Jesus. Uh, I think any time you're going to dive into any topic in the Bible, it's important to start with Jesus. Jesus said this in John 16:7. but very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. That in and of itself is a head-scratcher because this is Jesus, the living God, looking at his disciples saying, hey guys, this is really for your good that I'm leaving you. And he goes on and he says, unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world to be wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment, about sin because people do not believe in me, about righteousness because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer, and about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. And I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me, because it's from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. And all that belongs to the Father is mine, and that's why I say that the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. Jesus in this moment is looking at his followers, and he is keying them in on some things that are to come in their lives. Some challenges that they were going to face, some difficulties, some tensions that they were going to be experiencing. And he says, I know you're not going to totally get this. I know you're not going to really understand what I'm telling you, but here is the truth. It's actually good that I'm leaving you. It's good that I'm going away because as I ascend to heaven, the Holy Spirit is going to come from heaven and be with all of you at all times. And his job is to help you, to guide you, to speak to you, to give you power and strength so that you can do what you are called to to do. Acts 1.8 says that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, I'm just getting started, but that's good news. That, that, that there is some power from heaven that is available to us through the Holy Spirit that is going to help us, guide us, and strengthen us as we go out into our Jerusalem, which is Austin. As you go out into Jerusalem, there is power that is going to come on you before I'm calling you to do that. We've talked about this a lot around here, but God has you where he has you on purpose. I like to say the phrase that you are there on purpose for a purpose, meaning that there is a kingdom purpose wherever you find yourself. Let me say that again. There is a kingdom purpose wherever you find yourself. There is a reason that you are in the season that you are in. Now, if if you're like me, you might not be enjoying the season that you're in. Anybody hoping for a season change, both spiritually and naturally? I can't take another 100-degree day. I thought my sprinkler system was broken because my yard had died. And I was like, oh, my gosh, did this thing stop working? And I go and check it. No, it's working great. It's just there is nothing that can compete against two weeks of 100 degrees. Right? You might not be enjoying the heat that you're in right now. It might not be a comfortable season that you find yourself in right now. It might be a season that feels disappointing. It might be a season that feels depressing. It might be a season that feels isolating. It might be a season of sickness. You name it, you want out of it. But hear me, there is a kingdom purpose in the middle of it. There is a kingdom purpose in the middle of it. Everything that the enemy once for evil, God will turn to good. And, and what's amazing about the gifts of the Holy Spirit is that built into the plan of God for our lives, right? That plan, that plan is to prosper us and not to harm us, to give us a hope and a future. Built into that plan, God sent the Holy Spirit to us and he came bearing gifts that are to help us, guide us, and empower us as we're walking through the difficult seasons in life and the victorious seasons in life. The seasons of joy and the seasons of pain. The seasons of peace and the seasons of conflict. The seasons of plenty and the seasons of scarcity. God has given us the Holy Spirit so that our goal is not to survive what we're in the middle of, but to thrive. And what we are in the middle of. This is why Jesus says, it is for your good that I'm going away. Because when I leave, the Holy Spirit is going to come. And he's going to speak to you. And he's going to lead you. And he's going to guide you. And he's going to do amazing things through you and in you. And let me just say, and God did this because he knew us very well. God knew that you and God knew that me would be very easily overwhelmed. If you feel like you're not easily overwhelmed, you're usually 20 and you haven't endured anything yet. And what you quantify as hard is actually not hard. It's just the hardest thing that you've gone through. But I don't care who you are, how strong you think you are, we are all easily overwhelmed. There are moments in life where the problems that we are facing, that mountain that we're looking at, that mountain of failure, that mountain of depression, whatever it is, that mountain of conflict in your marriage, it, it is bigger, it is physically bigger than your ability to climb it. And you're looking at the mountain and you are overwhelmed at your brokenness and your lack of strength to be able to conquer it. Am I talking to anybody or just myself today? This is a message this for me. That I am easily overwhelmed. I'm, I'm, I'm easily distracted by the mountains. I'm, I'm easily Taking my gaze from the glory of the possibility of heaven and gazing right at what feels like the impossibility of my circumstances. Anybody else? And the Holy Spirit has been given to us so that we can receive power. That we can receive power to be able to experience victory regardless of what we see. Built into this power transfer that Jesus talks about in Acts 1.8, this, this moment when heaven is going to come to earth and, and, and that power manifests itself in a few different ways. And that's why we're going to spend most of our time over the next seven weeks in this passage in 1 Corinthians 12 where we get windows, we get glimpses into how this power that we receive when the Holy Spirit comes on us then manifests itself through us, these gifts of the Holy Spirit. It says this in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 4, there are different kinds of gifts but the same Spirit distributing them. There are different kinds of service but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them, in every one, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Now, let me just pause here in our passage, because the Apostle Paul wrote this, and the Apostle Paul did a beautiful job of explaining to us a tension that we now have defined today as FOMO. Have you heard this phrase? This phrase was made popular in the early 2000s, and it means the fear of missing out. And it was birthed out of a generation that I'm a part of that has a hard time committing to anything, and it's because they're scared that the thing that's coming will be better than the thing that they already committed to. And it's called the fear of missing out. Does this sound true? Have you experienced this? Do you do this? Don't raise your hand. Brittany was like, But here's the thing, this tension is not new, we just put a new term on it. We have defined it as the fear of missing out, but what birthed that was not created in a generation that we make fun of, that I'm a part of, called millennials. Right? No, it's a tension that is common and has been common. It's a tension that basically is birthed out of us thinking that what I have is not as good as what you have. Now this tension does not just live within the confines of material things. This tension will sneak into even beautiful things like the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And Paul is making it very, very clear to us that regardless of the gift that you feel like God has given you, do not waste your time comparing it with the gifts that God has given others. Now, how many times you've heard a story of like, wow, someone has like a dream and in their dream they see all this crazy stuff and it's like all happening in front of them and they like share a testimony at church and you're like, wow, I want to have a dream. Right? Like you hear somebody like comes up and like, they pray for you. And it's like they don't know you, but they're praying for you as if they do know everything about you. Like know your journal know about you. And you hear about stuff like that. Or you hear about God moving miraculously and like healing somebody and like touching their body and the sickness that was in them is gone. And you're like, whoa! And the temptation is, is to be like, oh man, all I have is a little bit of wisdom. I want to have a dream. I want, to, I want to pray for someone and then get healed. Oh, shucks. Right? And we begin to p- compare weighing the gifts of more value, which God doesn't do, nor the Bible doesn't do, but we do because there are some gifts that feel cooler than other gifts. Now hear me, 1 Corinthians 14, 1 says this, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially to prophesy. So hear me, the desire for God to do more in you and through you is good. That's a good desire. But eagerly desiring spiritual gifts to be more alive in you, that desire for more is not the same as insecurity in what you have. The desire for more is not the same as insecurity in what you have, right? Because there's a kingdom purpose in your uniqueness in the kingdom of Heaven. So let's stay hungry for more as we're fully thankful for what we've already been given. Can I get an amen? Because again, in in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 6, it says there are different kinds of working. But in all of them and in every one, it's the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good and and then the passage begins to transition from introing our need for and the purpose of the gifts of the spirit in our lives into a list of what these gifts are it says this in verse 8 to one there is given through the spirit a message of wisdom to another a message of knowledge by means of the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit to another gifts of healing by that one spirit And this is really where we're going to be spending our time leaning in over the next few weeks, is we are going to be walking through this list of gifts, unpacking what they are, why God has given them to us, and how we can walk in access with them. And so let's just get started. Let's finish our time today. You guys still with me? Can I preach for a little bit longer? On the, 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 the gift of the Spirit called the message of wisdom, or some translations call it the word of wisdom. Now, wisdom is awesome, right? Proverbs 2, 6, the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. How many of you want some of that? That the, that the mouth of God is speaking wisdom into your life, giving you knowledge and understanding. Ephesians 5.15, we just preached on this like two weeks ago. It's a passage that, that says, be careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Why? Because the days are evil. The word of wisdom that is spoken about in 1 Corinthians 12 is a supernatural wisdom. 1 Corinthians 12 is speaking of a supernatural wisdom. Now, this is important to understand because there are two wisdoms that we have access to here on the earth. One is an earthly wisdom, and one is the gift of this supernatural wisdom, this message of wisdom, this real-time wisdom from heaven that we have access to through the Holy Spirit. Earthly wisdom is birthed out of life. Earthly wisdom is birthed out of life, It's birthed out of experiences, lessons that we've learned, things that we've gone through. And those experiences allow us to see things that we didn't see before. Right? You ever gone through some stuff and you're like, oh, pay attention to that next time. Right? Or like some of you have had business deals that go sideways. And you have a list of things that you're like, lessons learned. Don't do that, clarify that, stay away from that, right? And that is, that's earthly wisdom. That is wisdom that is learned in the school of hard knocks of life. And and there are some beautiful lessons that can be learned in the school of hard knocks. Can I get an amen? And and there's many times that my dad, when I was growing up, you know, he would be like, son, let me pay the stupid tax on what you're about to do for you, (laughs) right? Because as a parent, you see your kid walking down a road and you're like, dude, I walked down there. I did that. I know how that snake bites. And and, and you see it, and you want to see want to be like, hey, hey, just so you know. I I would just walk gingerly. Right? Because life has taught you some lessons, it's given you some wisdom that allows you to see circumstances, situations, challenges in a very different way. Because as you live life, you are learning lessons. This earthly wisdom is growing within you. But there's another kind of wisdom as well. This other kind of wisdom, James 317 says it this way, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. I think this is important because, you know, all earthly wisdom comes with baggage. You don't make it through a hard situation unscathed, unimpacted, untainted. Your wisdom comes with fear laced in it, pain laced in it, confusion laced in it, disappointment laced in it. But heavenly wisdom, wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure. It's pure. Pure. Then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, and good fruit, impartial, and sincere. There's a wisdom that comes from heaven that's not based on what you have experienced, but it's coming from the heart of the living God for you so that he can lead you and bring peace to you and birth good fruit through You and the wisdom that is not laced with baggage of broken experiences, and that is pure heavenly wisdom, births three things in our lives heavenly wisdom births three things in our lives if you're a note taker i love you three things let me say it again so you can get the pen that's in front of you there are three things there's also some note thank you susie for bringing your notebook there are three things that heavenly wisdom births when it comes to us and those three things are direction promotion and protection heavenly wisdom always brings direction it always brings promotion And it always brings protection. If we were just doing a case study on supernatural wisdom, we could just do it all in the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel is a case study on the impact of heavenly wisdom on our lives. The book of Daniel was written when the people of God were in Babylonian captivity. And what that translates into our world is that the people were living in a culture that did not value what they value, did not live the way that they lived, and did not believe what they believed. And so it sounds a lot like what it means to be a Christian today. So there's a lot of wisdom and revelation that's for us when we read about the people of God being held captive in a culture and a situation that is, that is outside of who they're called to be and what they're called to do and how they're called to live. And Daniel, the namesake of this book, was actually chosen by the king at the time to be taught the ways of the Babylonians. The king said, hey, I want, you, I want you to go and find all of the sharpest, the best looking, the, 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 the people that have the most potential among the Israelites, and let's bring them into the palace. Let's let them live here. Let's feed them and let's educate them. And the goal of that was that they would become like them. And all throughout the book of Daniel, we see the wisdom of heaven directing him, promoting him, and protecting him, even as he found himself looking up some big mountains of impossibility, some big mountains of challenges, some big mountains of fear. Right off the bat in Daniel 1, all of these Israelites have been brought to the palace. They're all there to learn the ways of the Babylonians, And they brought all this food and all this wine. And and it's amazing to me that Daniel, because of the wisdom of heaven, sees this moment differently than most all of the other Israelites that were invited to this party. Because Daniel does not say, wow, look at the favor of God on my life. Look at all that I've been given. I get to live in this palace. Look at this feast, man. Yesterday, man, we were like eating leftovers, and now I got like whatever I want. And guess what? Most of the Israelites did see it that way. Oh, look at this favor. Look at this. Oh, man, God is providing for me. I get to go to college for free? I get a free education, and they're going to pay my free my room and board? And I get to live in this beautiful place. Are you kidding me? They're going to clothe me. They're going to teach me how to talk. This is amazing. But Daniel says this in verse 8. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. Hear me. Heavenly wisdom guides you through the traps of the enemy that look like blessing but are laced with poison. Let's get uncomfortable really quick. Everything that looks like God is blessing you might not have pure intentions. That's why oftentimes we see people that chase blessing falling into ditches. Because if you're enticed with blessing, then you will lose what gave you the position to receive it in the first place. And Daniel, in the face of favor and blessing and wealth and riches and all of these things, he says, no, 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 no. I'm not going to defile myself with these things. Daniel was listening to heaven and heaven's wisdom was saying, don't go down this road because I can see where it ends. This isn't just a free meal, and a free education. This is an indoctrination to get you to become one of them and forget who God has called you to be. Now watch this. Where God guides, he provides. Can I get an amen? I wish he would provide a little bit sooner sometimes than he does. But where he guides, he always provides. Verse 9. Now God had caused the officials to show favor and compassion to Daniel. That in and of itself should refresh you. Standing up in opposition of what culture says you have to do does not mean that you're going to be canceled. Because God is bigger than cancel culture. Daniel found favor and compassion with the officials that he had been, that, that had been given to him to actually monitor him and to make sure he's doing all these things that the king has for him. Then the king's official says, I'm afraid of my lord and king who has assigned you food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other men of your age? The king would have my head because of you. And then Daniel said to the guard, whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel and his friends, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with those of the young men that are eating the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and he tested them for 10 days. And then on the 10th day, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and wine and they were to, what they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. Heavenly wisdom directs us oftentimes in what looks like opposition to earthly wisdom. Heavenly wisdom will direct us, and it oftentimes looks like it's in opposition to earthly wisdom. I'm sure that those around Daniel were like, bro, just eat the food. Dude, come on. It's not that big of a deal. Like we're talking about some some fruit, bro, like have a piece of, have a muffin. We're not like, they're not asking us to sin here, dude. Like, they're just like giving us a meal. Just, it's, it's, it's not a big deal. It doesn't matter, just. But God was protecting Daniel because heavenly wisdom doesn't just direct you, it also protects you. And God was protecting Daniel from what he couldn't see. Because God knew that if he started to live like the Babylonians, that when the time came for him to stand up against the idolatry in that nation that was to come, he wouldn't have seen it as big of a deal as it was. Hear me. It's not oftentimes the first step that we take without the wisdom of heaven that's going to get us. It's where that first step leads us that will destroy us. Let me say that again. It's not often the first step that we take without the wisdom of God that will get us. It's where that first step leads us that will destroy us. God has wisdom for us in everything that we will face to direct us, protect us, and promote us. The promotion of God, we see it again in Daniel 1. We're in chapter 1 of Daniel, and here it is all over the place. The direction, the protection, and the promotion of God that comes with heavenly wisdom. It says this, at the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief officials presented them to Nebuchadnezzar, and the king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel and his friends, which I can't say their names, and you can't either. And so they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in the whole kingdom. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. And we could read through the whole book of Daniel and we could see this over and over again how the wisdom of heaven this supernatural real-time wisdom of heaven brought direction and protection and promotion as the people of God who sought him and included him and in everything that they had in front of them were met by the living God and I want to end the this morning with a story from my life where heavenly wisdom broke in to what felt like an impossible situation. In 2006, I was living in Seattle, Washington. And some of you guys know this, that a a part of our story is my my beautiful wife, Elizabeth. um, We planted a church in Seattle in 2005. It's called Mosaic and it's still there. It's it's doing incredible. And that was kind of my first time planting a church. Not kind of, it was the first time planting a church. I was 23 years old. I had a big vision. I had no experience. I had no earthly wisdom. (laughs) I thought I understood heavenly wisdom, right? Like there was, I was young. And uh, Seattle is a tough city. You know, um, I always laugh at people who say that Austin can be a little strange at times. I'm like, (laughs) no, um, not at all. And so we were there and the vision that God had for us is that he wanted to plant a church in downtown Seattle that was going to turn the city upside down. The vision that we had was that God wanted to use the people of God to influence every realm of society so that the city that had been known for rejecting the ways of God would experience revival and become famous for turning to the ways of God. And so about a year in, we found ourselves meeting in a venue that was called Numos. Numos was kind of like a music venue slash bar And they obviously were not open on Sunday mornings. So me and my buddy walked in there. We're like, yo, we've got a great idea. Let our church rent this space from you. You're not using it. It's free money. And uh, we'll leave it better than how we found it, which was saying a lot. Because if you don't know, what happens before Sunday morning is Saturday night, which is a pretty lively evening at Numos. And so... Honestly, it was one of those favor of God moments where God smiled on us and he gave us a yes, even in a circumstance that probably should have been a no. And so we are meeting now at Numos and that first year of the church was a rodeo. I've called it lots of different things, but the easiest thing to think about it is just like it was just chaos. And we were sharing the gospel with everything that moved, praying with everybody with a limp, a crutch, a cough. We were like, God, show up and move in power. Demonstrate yourself. And it was a slow grind. How many of you know that tilling the soil is just as important as reaping the harvest? And that first year, we were tilling the soil. We were getting our hands in the dirt. We were learning the city. We were learning so much of what God wanted to do, his heart for what is happening there and the people that live there. And in that tilling time, God began to gather people to us and we began to get some momentum and, and God is moving and people are coming and we're seeing people get saved. We're seeing families come back together. It's been beautiful. It was beautiful. And then we get bigger than our apartment. That's where we were meeting at the time. We get bigger in our apartment. We move to this other little venue and then we outgrow that little you. and then we find ourselves at Numo's and literally I thought when I moved to the city that, that I walked around downtown and I saw Numo's and I was like that is where I want to have church I was like that would be so amazing because this club is famous I don't know if you've heard of a few bands that have come out of Seattle like a couple of them Nirvana, Pearl Jam, they all played there so it's like such a, a, a fixture in the scene in Seattle that you don't even have to give people the address you just say like yo we're meeting at Numo's and everyone's like cool So we're meeting there and it's like awesome. People are coming and we're growing and we're probably gathering about 100 people. And we're like, I can't believe this is happening. This is crazy. And this guy walks up to me at the end of church and he goes, hey, I've got a question for you. I was like, sure. And he said, "Um, I'm actually a journalist with a news magazine that's called The Stranger. I'm doing an article on your church and the fact that you're meeting in Numos. Can I ask you a couple of questions? Now immediately I'm like, ha, ha, ha god is good you know what i'm saying i'm like god is gonna put us in the stranger now i i'm sure austin has a couple of magazines that are like this but it's not as read as the stranger the stranger is like a super crazy news magazine thing that the city puts out that that literally everyone reads in town and it's it is like it you can't get on the bus and not see everybody when it when it comes out, reading it, like everyone reads The Stranger. And and so I'm thinking, wow, God, this is all going on inside of me. Wow, God, like you're like, you, you're, wow, this is amazing, you know? And then he throws like a couple little softballs at me. He's like, yo, so why did you come? And why are you here? And like, what's your vision? And just kind of stuff like that. And then he pulls out a sheet of paper and he says, I want to get your response to this. And I was like, all right. And he starts to read from a newsletter that was written by another Antioch church plant. that was in a different city. And he starts to read it. And he said, when we moved into our city, it was filled with homosexuals, prostitutes and drug addicts. And then the dude folded the paper and looked at me and had his little recorder thing, you know, and he was like, so my question to you is, J.D., are homosexuals the same as prostitutes and drug addicts? I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) right? I mean, I'm 25. I'm like, what am I supposed to say? I have no idea. And I was like, (sighs) you know, he sees me kind of fumbling around. Like, I'm like, what a weird question. I don't even know how to engage this. And then he quotes our doctrinal statement. And I immediately, I'm like, oh, I see what this is now. I see what's happening. He's like, so are you telling me that homosexual, homosexuals are not welcome here, that this is a sin? And, and so I look at him, and immediately I felt the wisdom of heaven, that real-time wisdom of heaven. And I could see, because you know what I felt? I was like, I know I could answer this question in a way that would be so vague, that would not be an answer, but it would get him to leave. And in that moment for me, that would be like Daniel eating the food and drinking the wine that was at the king's court. It would have been one step, eh, vague, but where that step would have led me, I wasn't willing to go. And the wisdom of heaven said, say what you believe. I was like, dude, I believe the Bible. I believe what the Bible says about me. I believe what the Bible says about you. I believe what the Bible says about culture. I was like, I'm going with the Bible, man. Do you know what the Bible says? and he kind of looked at me and he was like I'm not sure I was like read it the dude walks away and I'm thinking no one's going to care about this this is going to be the back of the stranger who cares get a phone call the week before it's going to be published hey it's coming out just want to give you a heads up I'm like cool 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 comes out on Thursday night run to the newsstand Thursday night we're the cover article it's a cartoon of Jesus with two beers in his hands, standing out in front of the club, and they wrote Numos on the club. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me, dude. The cover? Like, what in the world? And I read it, and it's like a good three pages of them making fun of me, making fun of us. Um, and uh, it was hard to read. Now I'm thinking nothing's going to happen, whatever, no big deal. This is going to be painful, but we'll get over it. Well, little did I know that their online presence was way larger than their weekly publication. So all of a sudden, it explodes online. The entire homosexual community is now mobilizing to boycott pneumos until they kick us out. I'm getting all sorts of messages that I will not repeat to you. Things said about me and about us that from people that never knew me, that never knew who we were, that cut like hot daggers into my heart. You know, your parents lied to you when they said that sticks and stones break your bones, but words will never hurt you. That's a bunch of crap. I'll take sticks and stones all freaking day. Like, come punch me in the face because that'll heal. But what you speak to me, that's going to take a lot. That's going to take years to get over and so now my phone's blowing up other people want interviews other things wanted to happen everything like that and everyone had an opinion now remember I'm talking to the guy who owned Pneumos and he's like dude I can make all of this go away all I need you to do is say this phrase call this guy and say this phrase and I again wisdom of heaven God was like no 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 I said dude I'm not going to say that because what you mean when you say that and what I mean when I say that are not the same things and there were two things that God spoke to me. The first is, is that Christians don't defend themselves. They always play offense. The second thing that God spoke to me was I was driving in my car and I literally was pouring out my heart saying, God, I don't know what to do. Like everyone's looking at me, the city, my church, my team, looking at me like, what are we supposed to do? Like, what, what's the next move? And I'm like, I don't know. And I'm driving in my car and God speaks to me and I'm like pouring out my heart saying, oh God, you gotta tell me what to do. I feel like the only options that are in front of me are defensive. I don't want to defend myself. I don't want to say this or do this or get into this argument. It's like, God, you have to speak to me. What's the offensive play? And immediately he gave me like a strategy. He said, I want you to call this guy. I want you to call the owners of Numos. I want you to give them the money that are on the rest of your contract. Just say it and say this. We got in this to bless you, not to hurt you. So we're just going to walk away. Call the guy who wants the follow-up interview and say, hey, you know what? Thank you so much. Thanks for coming to church. We were so happy to have you. Like, And I really appreciate you taking the time to write this article. And if you ever want to come to church again, we'd love to have you. But I'm not going to do another interview. Then online, things are exploding. And it's like, you can, there's like hundreds of comments. I'm like, ah! You know, it's just like, you feel like everything is like falling through your fingers, and then there's this post that comes through, and it says, Numos kicks out church. Oh, man, the justice in me was like, that's not what happened, right? Like, you ever feel like, dude, that's not what happened. We walked away. We said this, whatever, and the Lord was just like, don't defend yourself. The wisdom of heaven always directs, always protects, always promotes. Don't defend yourself. Stay quiet, Within minutes of them putting that post, all of a sudden, hundreds of comments talking about how people wanted to do really awful things to us began to shift. And someone posted, I hope Numos has a good lawyer. Then someone posts, didn't we just do to these guys what we accused them of doing to us? Has anybody ever gone to this church? This was my favorite one. Yeah, I went. They were really nice. I was like, (laughs) where were you yesterday? And the entire conversation turns and the crowd that was attacking us starts to defend us. It got so loud online that Numos had to release a statement quoting me on what I actually said. We're walking away. We got in this to bless you then the guy who wrote the article feels it kind of going out of control he he posts me from what i said thinking that he's going to get a little heat he doesn't want to have another interview he posts that quote that i said then everyone starts jumping on him wait dude you actually went to that church what because when you're following the wisdom of heaven god can turn everything into a promotion do you our church didn't get smaller from that moment it got bigger from that moment you know, the impact in our city grew from that moment. It didn't shrink from that moment. It was because the wisdom of heaven came and spoke truth and the right thing at the right moment to protect us, to direct us, and to promote us. Amen? Stand to your feet. If you need the wisdom of God right now, you're in a situation where you need the wisdom of God in your life, I want you just to begin to raise your hands. Just begin to raise your hands. I want to begin to pray for you. Jesus, right now, I'm asking for the real, real-time wisdom of heaven, the wisdom of heaven that directs, the wisdom of heaven that provides, the wisdom of heaven that protects and promotes. Lord, I'm asking right now, in every situation that feels impossible, every mountain that feels like it's too high to climb, Lord, every every obstacle that feels like it's that there is no right way to make it, itself the right way to make you make it through lord i'm asking that right now that you would come by the power of the holy spirit and that you begin to pour out the gift of wisdom over every single heart that's in need and right now lord i'm asking that you would begin to speak loudly into the hearts and minds of those who are here the real time answers to the questions that they have in jesus mighty name come on let's just begin to worship